Welcome back to the SSI Executive Conversations podcast. On today's episode, Darwin is joined by Dr. Margaret Calmetta. Dr. Calmetta is the CEO and founder of Rapid Nexus Nanotech Wound Technology, a cutting-edge wound care medical device organization. Darwin and Dr. Calmetta talk about the difference between Rapid Nexus technology and the rest of the marketplace, Dr. Calmetta's own background and inspiration for developing wound care technology, and her growth from a physician role to an executive leader and entrepreneur. I am just incredibly thrilled and excited uh, to welcome today's SSI Executive Conversations guest, uh, Dr. Margaret Calmetta, to the podcast series. She's the CEO of Rapid Nexus Nanotech Wound Solutions, which is just an incredible company that's revolutionizing wound care that's also saving lives and benefiting uh, families as well as efficiency in, in the system. She's developed innovative technology that uses nanomaterials to eliminate infections while rapidly increasing volume and density of the tissue through angiogenesis, uh, preventing limb amputations, and it's going to significantly decrease healthcare costs. Um, she is passionate about solving one of the most pressing challenges in the medical industry, limb loss due to chronic and complex wounds. And as I always say, that doesn't just affect the patient, it affects the, the entire family, their entire support structure. Uh, she's founded and grown five successful startups in the past, which is remarkable, all of which were acquired, uh, trained as an oral surgeon. And we'll talk a little bit about how she started there and moved uh, some of this innovation uh, to the current world that she's in. But she strives to improve the quality of life and well-being of patients around the world. I'm super excited to talk to Rapid Nexus uh, about Rapid Nexus technology, how it differentiates what's on the market and the value it's going to bring to patients and into the ecosystem. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us and with our following. It's a pleasure to be here, Darwin. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Well, let's let's dive right in. So with that, you know, how does Rapid Nexus technology differ from the existing wound healing solutions in the market? And then I can come back to this, but as a follow-up, how does the, technici- the, the technology differentiate from conventional wound care treatments that most people are familiar with? The industry today is not focusing on the peri-wound. It's focusing on the wound and making products such as gels, foams, and sheets, just to name a few, made for the wound and only the wound. Yet the peri-wound is really the problem, and this is why chronic wounds in high-risk patients, such as patients that have diabetes, this is why the chronic wound won't heal, is because it really needs a peri-wound solution. Rapid Nexus is the first company to bring that peri-wound solution to the market. And I, when, I, when I first met you, I saw your first presentation at LSI Emerging MedTech. I was so excited about it for, for multiple reasons, because I started my career in the burn unit, which obviously burns really struggle with healing and becoming infected. My focus was more the ventilation side versus, you know, the actual tissue. Uh, But then, you know, in terms of diabetics and and then moving into skilled nursing facilities um, after falls, decubitus wound ulcers are the largest expense to that area of the healthcare system. So there's so much value that your product can bring in different areas. And and as you said, there so many products aren't actually fixing their their band-aids. They're not fixing the actual problem which your product does. Um, What have been the results from the clinical trials regarding wound healing outcomes and and, and patient experiences treating the actual problem? 
So our clinical trials were done on Wagner type 3 and 4 patients. These were high-risk patients, such as patients with diabetes, that had chronic wounds and the wounds remained open for years. We had wounds that were open between six years to 40 years. Uh, simply wow. that's really hard to believe. Well, these are the cases that go into amputation because an open wound is always in danger of an infection. The results of our 39 patient study was that we prevented 17 amputations and closed the wounds, even the wound, which was a burn wound that the patient had 40 years prior to seeing us. And we were able to successfully close that. That's phenomenal. That is just so exciting. Um, so maybe for somebody that doesn't understand um, how wounds heal and the vascular aspects there, maybe you could explain in, in more in more layman's terms, in terms of tissue regrowth and how the technology developed by Rapid Nexus aids in the healing of, of the, the collagen, uh, or excuse me, in healing chronic wounds and uh, promoting collagen growth. Absolutely. When a patient uh, suffers from a wound, what is actually happening is the opening in the body is releasing collagen every day, every minute. And throughout months, the wound bed becomes less dense. And throughout years, it becomes devoid of a lot of important tissue, devoid of collagen, devoid of vasculature. And our wound product that focuses on the peri-wound actually uh, transitions through the epithelium and appositions itself under the epithelium into the area surrounding the wound where there is much less density, much less volume because the wound has been open for X amount of time. And by building up this density and volume, we are actually uh, allowing this wall, the surrounding tissue to be built up. And then we have a solid wall surrounding the tissue where the wound can actually close. So it's really improving that overall structure and then through the recruitment of more blood vessels essentially now you got more blood flow more nutrients and you can improve the entire structure for actual healing that's absolutely correct we have to have the density in order for angiogenesis to to have a chance at happening chronic wounds are very dry very dehydrated in their surrounding tissue and with it, them being very dry, very dehydrated, angiogenesis just simply cannot happen. So step number one is to pay attention to the peri-wound and treat the peri-wound. It's exciting, very exciting. So when you look at differentiation, how does rap rapid nexus, I mean, you're already differentiating yourself because you're going to the source of the problem right. versus, you know, a Band-Aid of the right. surrounding the wound. Yep. But how do you differentiate yourself is there anything else that's like this in terms of uh, other companies or technologies in the wound care sector that focus on tissue regeneration? So there are, but they focus on the hole in the body, that wound. And so when you focus on that wound, then the problem is the same. No matter what product you are, the problem right. is the same. The surrounding tissue 
is much less dense. And so, for example, instead of it being two centimeters tall, as an example, it could be one centimeter tall or half a centimeter tall, or sometimes you can feel the bone right underneath because the skin has dehydrated to that degree. Uh, so right there, you know, no matter what product you're putting into that hole in the, in the body, the wound itself, you're not really addressing the problem. And the problem is the peri wound, the surrounding tissue is really severely broken down in these chronic high-risk patients. I think, and then that's another thing I think that's so exciting about the technology and what you're, you're doing and how you're positioned to help the healthcare industry, because you're not only helping the patients with better patient outcomes and more efficient healing, but there's a lot of dollars being used on resources that now can be reallocated elsewhere to help the system and our families. Yeah, uh, the wound, well, Medicare and insurance companies, they spend $360 billion a year in the United States taking care of this population. Uh, the costs include wound care, amputations, limb replacements, and wound care post-amputations and re-amputations and more limb replacements. Uh, the typical uh, patient that gets their toe amputated uh, shortly thereafter, within about three years, gets a foot amputated next. And after some more years, within five years, they get the leg amputated. Their lifespan within five years is expected to uh, decrease by 60%. So there's a 60% mortality rate of these patients. So it's very, very urgent. Um, it's an urgent situation because not only is it urgent now, but the American Diabetes Association has said that 50% of the American public are pre-diabetic or diabetic. So, yes. you know, this is a, a massive problem that is about to get even worse. Healthcare is not able to take care of all of these wounds. And so Congress has given wound treatments to pharmacists. Pharmacists on their own license can do injections of vaccines and wound treatments. By 2030, uh, pharmacists are supposed to have even the complex wounds under their licensure to treat. So this is an interesting thing, uh, very high unmet medical need. There's so many different things that you said there that are extremely important. And I just think about when you think about somebody losing, losing a limb, um, you know, I, I've never, obviously, I've been, I've been blessed. I've never had to deal with that in, in, in my personal life, but I've dealt with patient scenarios or families that, that have. And the psychological piece is, is just enormous. Yeah. And um, in terms of type 2 diabetes and the, the epidemic there, right? But you look at the yeah. food and the things that go in, all the different factors that, that cause that. So it's certainly not something that's going to go away anytime soon. It, it, it's an area of growth. And so there's so much value there. Um, you kind of answered the next question I was in terms of how it's going to impact the wound care market. But you talked about the cost, um, the outcomes. I, I think we've kind of already talked about. But is there anything additionally that you would say relevant to how this technology can benefit the marketplace in the next three to five years from a cost standpoint, from a cost savings. Oh, absolutely. We can cut out a lot of the cost for governments around the globe. Uh, 
for example, the government of Wales is very interested to find a preventive solution. If we can get to the patients early, then we can cut out a lot of these costs before a wound even opens up. That's so exciting. So let's talk a little bit about your background and your your career path. I, you know, I think it's amazing. Uh, can you know you started? Maybe talk a little bit about that, that when you initially started because you were in oral care as a surgeon, and then you identified this incredible opportunity to take the technology and then apply it into the current space that you're in. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Uh, I spent my career doing cosmetic makeovers, surgical procedures, and um, so, you know, I became very well versed with, with surgeries. And I started noticing that high-risk patients, such as patients with diabetes, are suffering from infections that go oftentimes to their brains in nursing homes. So I decided that I'm gonna do something about that. I started making a product that heals post-surgical wounds 500% faster than competitor products. It's during that time that I met a gentleman that had diabetes and he had all of his limbs removed. I mean, it was like, first of all, shocking that all of his limbs were removed. And next, it was shocking to witness what he went through, the look in his eyes and what was happening with him. He passed away a week later. It made such a significant impact on me that I realized, well, if I'm 500% faster in healing bone and all the different layers of tissue, why can't I help diabetic patients such as this gentleman? And so I took it upon myself. I knew that I could because it was a matter of transferring the technology from one area to the next. So I went to Costa Rica and I hired a team and we did uh, the, uh, the tech transfer. And this is where we prevented the amputations. Such a cool story. Um, so as a, as a surgeon and a clinician, did you always, did you envision early on that you wanted to be an executive leader and an entrepreneur? Or did that just sort of happen more naturally and, and kind of take you by surprise? Uh, so throughout my career, I was always bringing in new technologies. So we were the first company to have computerized x-rays in our state, um, just to give an example. And this is how I serve the patients best, by bringing to them new technologies that could give better outcomes. So I suppose throughout my career, I've been this type of CEO that went out scouting to bring new technologies. But when I was doing surgeries, there was one technology that was really lacking, and it is the healing technology. Very oftentimes, the healing left voids within the body, and then the voids would cave in. So I started developing my own technology in that space. Uh, so to answer your question, I just, the first time I decided to get out of the clinical arena and to solely focus on the CEO ship was this time around. And that's because there's such a high unmet medical need and the solution is able to prevent amputations. 
that I, I felt it was powerful enough for me to leave the clinical setting altogether and focus on what it needs to bring this technology to the market. Because you had the vision and obviously to have the passion. Um, so who better to execute on it? Um, yeah, because you can't explain it. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I, I recently, you know, for another leader to take over, it's, 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 it's an education. It's a college course. I may as well just do it, you know? So it's, it's right. this is the, the lesson learned, um, that you, the person, sometimes the founder up to a certain point can't be replaced. Because, well, and at the time uh, for you to bring in that person and get them up to speed, the opportunity cost that's lost there and the amount of patients that could have been benefited in that meantime, uh, you know, for the, that makes to me perfect sense why upfront it doesn't make sense for you not to be that person. Mm -hmm. um, there'll be, there'll come a time where you'll probably move into something else uh, or, or another, other ideas that you have, but um, you know, that makes sense. So I, one of my uh, friends, Karen Posey's amazing. Uh, she coaches CEOs. She's been a CEO of a medical device startup herself, but I had the opportunity to moderate her, uh, be a, a panelist on her masterclass, CEO masterclass. She coaches CEOs on company alignment, voice of the customer, uh, focus, focused on sustainable, profitable growth. From your perspective, what are the biggest challenges of, of being a CEO? or maybe the top two to three things that, that you feel are the most important that you focus on first? Well, I think the number one challenge is to pave a new path that didn't previously exist. This is the number one challenge uh, as I see it. Um, and when it's new technology, then different pathways to market or pathways to clinical trials or pathways through the FDA, those are going to have to be new. Um, so it's not, a, not something that's written about uh, that one can learn. Um, so that is the number one thing. Um, besides that, I think uh, maybe the staffing, I think uh, that is very, very important to be aligned with people that share your vision I think those are the two top things. And that kind of goes into my, my, my next question. I mean, obviously, in terms of talent management strategies, that's something that we're, we're very focused on. And uh, I, everything that we do and uh, even how Top Town Accelerant got trademarked and where it came from is really focused on the main reasons why companies succeed and fail, because 70% of companies across all industries don't make it 10 years. Most people know, you know, how many startups don't make it and uh, those numbers. But um, across data, you know, lots and lots of companies in decades, three of the main reasons why companies fail or succeed come down to, to leadership relevant to mission and vision, how the company is aligned. Company misalignment causes a lot of problems, right? Risk, FDA warning letters, recalls, um, causes a lot of challenges and then talent. And so you just, I guess, really gave me a great segue into this question because you, you mentioned the talent and I know you have great people around you, but how do you look at employee engagement and your role in leading that strategy? Are you, are you directly involved? Because um, my belief is the personal why matching the company vision and then, you know, delineating, making sure that you're evaluating emotional intelligence and um, coachability and, and, and because that piece is huge in terms of employee engagement. So, you know, do you 
how directly involved in that versus delegating to other stakeholders on your team or how you keep your pulse on uh, the process to make sure you're hiring for culture? Yeah, directly being involved is virtually impossible with right. all of the tasks that a company has. So a company has to be very aligned with all of the employees that it has. Uh, so it has to be not only in alignment, as you just mentioned, I think I may be just repeating it, not only is it on company vision, but really on the mission. What are we really here to do? And then it's very important for the employees to feel like they are also owners of the company. This is another thing that, that makes the employees uh, enjoy their job, feel like they could be um, like they could manage themselves because along with owning a part of the company comes a share of the responsibility. This is something that can't be substituted. It has to be an internal process uh, that drives this person. I think that's really well said because you know, if you, if you, I always look at like whatever the functional skill is, right? being able to evaluate that uh, and having a, a tag, you know, if you're hiring software developers, that's, that sh should be from my perspective, more than just a conversation, right? There should be a minimal skill set. Okay. You've met that skill set, but then if you hire people that have high emotional intelligence and they, their personal, why they actually have a passion, they care about what the solution, which ties into the mission is then the fact that they all have a stake in it, they all have equity, people win together, they lose together just in and of itself, you should have higher employee engagement and therefore less wasted resources, which is beneficial, obviously, for the company and the patients in the healthcare system. Yeah, definitely. So as we finish up here, yeah, you know, you're, you're an amazing executive and entrepreneur. What advice would you give to someone that's listening to this podcast? And one of the, my favorite things about this, I get a, I, I get to have great conversations with amazing people. People, but there are people watching because they, you know, they'd like to be you. They want to follow in that step, and there's certainly, um, you know, I did it at a much lesser, uh, you know, level in terms of my career before then moving into to, to the corporate side of things. But leaving clinical, sometimes it's hard to make that first move into industry. So, what, what advice would you give to someone listening in terms of key areas they should consider if they want to move from maybe a physician role? or uh, in the healthcare system, into industry, or as an entrepreneur? Well, I think the, the, the biggest advice is to lessen uh, their own frustration. They should do it. They should move into being a CEO, a founder. In other words, for example, um, if we take certain examples of devices, they are engineered most of the time by engineers, that put a dial onto the device and they tell the doctor to move the dial and to move it according to the need. Well, sometimes that device is actually not made for that purpose. And no matter how you turn the dial, you can just eke out a little bit of the effects. So if you have a better idea of how to rebuild this machine because you're actually in the clinic, you're actually the one with the patient, then I would say do it because you're going to improve the patient's outcome. I think, and you know, especially they have such a great opportunity relative to human factors, usability and ergonomics to really think about 
what's going on and create data points to help make sure that they have a higher chance of success before making that move. So yeah. I think that's really smart advice. Margaret, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, the incredible work that you're doing uh, and the benefits that the product is going uh, to do to, for, for patients and for the healthcare system. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much, Darwin. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the SSI Executive Conversations podcast. If you'd like to see more, please follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our YouTube and RSS. Visit SureXSolutions.com to learn more about SSI and receive a complimentary consultation.